Welcome into another episode of the Unnamed MMA Podcast. I'm Adam Abdallah. Follow me on Twitter at Adam A. Abdallah. He's Jordan Sherwood. Follow him on Twitter at Woodon1063. Back from the happiest place on earth that is Disney World. I'm sure you're exhausted, but the love of the podcast must continue. You gave us some winners last week. A four and a half to one play that came through that kind of made the night uh, worthwhile. A huge card to go through today, Jordan. We've got UFC 274 back on pay-per-view. Some huge fights, two title fights, a bunch of rematches to go through. So overall, your general impressions of this card coming up on Saturday night. Yeah, it's another great card. Top to bottom, it's going to feature some, some, some really good fights, some really good fighters. Uh, gonna paint the picture for the future of the of the UFC in particular in the uh, UFC lightweight division uh, with Oliveira and Justin Gagey at the top, you know, for the championship. And yeah, we, I've also got some uh, some strategy and some plays that I'm gonna recommend. And I am happy. I came from the happiest place on earth. It was great. Walked 12 miles, which I found out Oof. after the trip too, which was uh, even even better. And uh, you know, the kid's second time uh, at Disney, and it was great. You'd also know that I'm a pro wrestling fan. A little disappointed. I only saw one pro wrestling t-shirt at Disney over two and a half days. It was a white and black NWO shirt. I wanted to give the guy the NWO uh, like handshake, but he was on the other side, and I didn't. I didn't make it over there. So, did you at least give like the casual nod? You're like, hey, what's up, man? <laughs> I gave him the nod. Yeah, I was wearing a Mickey Mouse shirt and like ears, so like he probably well. had no idea what the hell I was talking about. But like. Um, yeah, Hoodie's probably going to be a little bit disappointed when I tell him that I only found one pro wrestling shirt. You buy the ears for the kids, but secretly you're like, I can rock these. I can rock these. Well, Disney I did ears. rock them, and I had a, I had yeah. a White Sox hat on as well, so I wore the hat and then the ears on top of the hat. So I felt like I was really making a stance, saying, "Hey, I'm a White Sox fan, but I'm also here for some fun with some Disney." I'm here for some Mickey Mouse fun as well. All right, let's get into the uh, main card here. We'll get into the main event here, a lightweight title fight. Charles Oliveira against Justin Gagey. Oliveira minus 172, a huge favorite here. Gagey plus 145. I mean, Gagey's lost to a bunch of good fighters. Oliveira's got 10 wins in a row and finishes in all but one. He's got 15 submissions. I mean, this is going to be a good fight, but Oliveira here, a huge favorite, especially with the way he he fights against Justin Gagey with, you know, the takedowns being a specialty here, submissions being a specialty for Oliveira if you're looking at method of victory. Does just, just, Justin Gagey have a chance here to pull an upset, or is this going to be Oliveira by submission all the way? Well, I think he's a popular dog this week. I, I think that there people are looking at the last two fights that Charles Oliveira had, and that was against Michael Chandler and Dustin Poirier, where he was dropped in both of those fights. And Justin Gagey is a bigger puncher than Michael Chandler, and he's certainly a bigger puncher than Dustin Poirier, plus the fact that he, of uh, of those three, is also very good with re- his wrestling takedown defense, and obviously Charles Oliveira wants to get this fight to the ground as soon as possible. But beside that point, I don't buy it. I think Charles Oliveira is on another level, and this is a, there's a reason why this guy has won, as you just alluded to, Adam, 10 fights in a row. He's got 32 wins, 29 finishes. He has the most finishes in UFC history. He has the most submissions in UFC history. He has the most post-fight bonuses in UFC history at 18, and he's on that 10-fight win streak. I love him in this fight. I think that he he is going to walk through the fire probably again, 
walk through some early issues, but eventually get Justin Gagey to the ground and choke his life out. Uh, and I love him at a $1.75 price. So if we're looking at a way for Gagey to win, you're saying he's going to come out strong. He's going to come out swinging and try to take advantage of that punching power. Now, Gagey has been hit a lot, too. And he takes hits, and he just kind of keeps on going. Like, they don't really affect him. He kind of keeps his hands down and just will take the hit and just keep coming at you. Where if he misses with one of these power punches, like you mentioned, Oliveira can get him on the ground. So I'm looking at method of victory here. I'm looking at plus 135 for by submission uh, for Oliveira. A little bit of sprinkle on that. And maybe even, you know, if you want to get frisky, Oliveira by knockout or TKO. If you get yeah, if you get uh, Gagey on the ground and you start landing some of these elbows, Oliveira is the all-around better fighter, like you mentioned. So if he gets him on the ground, could we see something coming with maybe some elbows or some close punches there on the ground to knock uh, Gagey out or get a TKO? Yeah, that certainly uh, I think could be a, a situation that we run into because again, Justin Gagey has only been submitted one time in his life. That was against Habib Nurmagomedov in the last time that he challenged for the lightweight championship. But you do worry about the fact, too, that just Justin Gagey is like a walking zombie and he just walks through fire to try and land one of those early bombs. So um, I, I think, again, if you want to get cute, if we always talk about that sprinkle, like you got to put a little bit of sprinkle on it. Charles Oliveira via, via submission is, is going to be the way to go, even though I just said that Gagey's only been submitted once. It's because Charles Oliveira just could pull, pull off a submission out of nowhere. Uh, he's going to look to take his back, and he's going to look to you know slap it on a rear naked choke. But he's won fights by armbar. He's won fights by heel hook. He's won fights by ankle lock. So this guy's got a wide ver- uh, array of submissions. And he also has a comfort level, too, uh, with his stand-up, with his Muay Thai, to get the fight eventually to the ground, landing a couple of shots. So play it safe, in my opinion. Just $1.75, that's worth the investment for Charles Oliveira. If you need to, I guess if you need some value, fine. Then you parlay stuff him with, a, with another you know, favorite or two that I like on the card. Yeah, and let's maybe look at that to parlay it with the other title fight as Rose Namajunas is going against Carla Esparza. This is a strawweight title fight, a rematch from season 20 of The Ultimate Fighter, eight years in the making. They finally are fighting again, <laughs> I guess, kind of. I mean, but how about this? Though? Rose Namajunas has never lost a rematch. She's gone in three or four of them, and she's never lost a rematch. I believe this is going to be her fourth rematch. She's the better all-around fighter. She's a minus 220 favorite, a huge favorite against Esparza, who's plus 180. Rose is the better striker. She's the better grappler. She's, I mean, she's all around just the better fighter. And this one might be one of these fights that's done a little bit faster. You know, she won last time for within the distance. So how do you see this one, this other title fight in this co-main event? I actually think that that the dog is worth a look in this fight compared Ooh. to the, the other one. Yeah, yeah I do. And, and the reason being is because, look, yeah, when they fought Seven years ago, uh, Rose Namajunas was extremely green in her mixed martial arts career. Uh, you know, Carla Esparza was already somewhat established. Um, and, and the issue that I have is that, like, even though, like, it was such a long time ago and Rose Namajunas is clearly a better fighter, but I believe Carla Esparza has evolved a little bit as well. But the kryptonite, the one thing that Carlos Esparza does extremely well, is still going to cause issues for Rose Namajunas, and that is her wrestling and the ability to just basically keep her and keep the fights on the ground. You know, Carlos Esparza has a five-fight win streak against other very good strikers that when the fight goes to the ground, they're kind of a fish out of water. And I'm not suggesting that Rose is because Rose certainly is well-versed off of her back. She's got very good submissions and very good good Brazilian jiu-jitsu. But 
Carla Esparza is just a pro at keeping fights in her top control and keeping you know people on the ground. I think on an average uh, uh, per takedown, she averages keeping the fight on the ground 1.2 minutes per takedown. So if she's doing that against Rosanam and Yunus and she's controlling the fight like she just did against Marina Rodriguez, um, she's going to have a great opportunity to win this fight. Rose is going to win if she's keeping her distance, using her length, using her athleticism, because she is the better striker. She is the better athlete, and Carla Esparza will be the smaller fighter. So I, I just don't agree with the overwhelming odds for Rose Dominguez at 220, you know, 225. That's why I think Carla Esparza is a live dog, plus the fact, too, of, of, of her current five-fight win streak. Four of, the, four of those times, Adam, she's cashed at the dog. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, that when you mentioned that being worth a look, Esparza by points is plus 280. Nami Yunus by points. Rose by points is plus 160. And then if you want to get frisky, now, uh, you know, Esparza by submission, 18 to 1. But if you're looking at, at she's going to, you know, keep this fight on the ground and try to, you know, win the ground control, like you mentioned, Esparza by points at plus 280 might be worth a, a look here. Or just, you know, lay some, lay some money with the dog here at plus 176 as an outright money line win for Esparza. I think Rose might end up, you know, winning this fight. Like I don't, like you mentioned, it could go the distance, you know, plus 160 plus 280 for each of, each of those. But if you suggest that the, uh, the dogs are barking, then the dogs are definitely barking. Right? Well, yeah. And if you're, and if you're, if you're looking to, to sprinkle something, I mean, Carlos Esparza via decision probably is the likely way to go because four of her five mm-hmm. wins in this streak have been via decision. And actually two of them have been via split decision. So you've had judges on other sides where you could have that scenario where somebody is looking at this fight, Rose Namajunas is winning it and winning it on points, but there are certain, uh, you know, sections of this fight carved out where Carlos Esparza is just using top control and controlling the fight. So Carlos Esparza on points, probably the prop to look at. Um, but again, Rosenam and Yunus, different fighter than when they fought seven years ago. She's evolved. She might be the greatest straw weight we've ever seen. And uh, yes, she always also wins the rematches. And this is a rematch of that seven years ago. Also, like it'd be against my better judgment as someone who has a massive sweet tooth to not put some money on Carla Esparza the because her nickname, her nickname is the Cookie Monster. What the hell is that? Her nickname, her 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 nickname is the Cookie Monster. Like when she gets the now announced on Saturday night, they're gonna go Carla Cookie Monster Esparza. And, like, how do you take that seriously as a competitor? <laughs> well, I, I mean, I guess I could argue that with, you know, Misha Tate is cupcake, you know, and they've, yeah, you know, okay. there, there, there's that. I mean, so are you picking Rose because it's Thug Rose? Like, that's what she's she's known as? Well, yeah, that's just because she looks like she's going to beat the crap out of anybody, though. Like, that's that, that's a very deserved nickname. Like, she just looks like I don't want to mess with you regardless <laughs> of your nickname. She could be called Cookie Monster. She could be called Cupcake or Sprinkles or whatever. And I wouldn't want to mess with with Rose Namajunas. Uh, the other fight that we're going to talk about right now, Michael Chandler against Ty, uh, Tony Ferguson. Chandler, a huge favorite, minus 400 against Tony Ferguson. Now, Tony Ferguson once won 12 fights in a row. He's lost his last three fights. He's going up against Chandler, who's 36 years old. Both these guys like to come out swinging. Both This could end within the distance. This could be one of these explosive knockouts that we're looking for that's not a title fight. This one's gonna. This one's either going to be a play for me on Tony Ferguson or an opinion for me on Tony Ferguson. There, Ooh, okay. there, there, there's just too much value on, on Tony Ferguson 
and believing that this guy is 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 just done, like basically done. And like, look who he lost to. He lost to Justin Gagey in the fifth round of a absolute mm-hmm. classic war, and it was the first time that he ever was stopped by strikes. Then he got you know manhandled for three rounds by Charles Oliveira. Well, he's the champion at 155, uh, and he just ran through Michael Chandler. And the other loss is to Benil Dariush, who's like number three in the lightweight division. So um, you know, Tony Ferguson's not losing the cupcakes. He's not losing the cookie monsters. He's losing to the best <laughs> of the best in this goddamn division. And look, yeah. Michael Chandler hits hard. Like he 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 knocks people out. And you look, I mean, if you've seen photos of him this week, the guy is shredded and he is ready. And people think that Tony Ferguson is done and he's he's all whacked because of you know the comments he's making about Dana White privilege and Michael Chandler's that guy and Tony Ferguson wants to do other things. Like Tony Ferguson also, you know, uh is the boogeyman, okay? Like that's his fight nickname and and the reason mm-hmm. for that because he also just completely walks through everything and gets wins. And there's a reason why this guy was looked at as one of the best fighters not just at 155 but on the planet no matter the weight for quite some time. I'm not ready yet to dismiss him. I'm not ready yet to say that he's going to lose this fight and lose it handily, particularly against a guy that is only being looked at as the favorite is because he hits hard. It's not like Oliveira, who's got submissions and outstanding grappling, like also Benil Dariush does. Um, and again, going into the fight against Justin Gagey, I think it was either a pick or Ferguson was a little bit of a favorite. So it's been a year away. Since Tony Ferguson last competed in the octagon, Michael Chandler is coming off that three-round war against Justin Gagey. Give me the underdog, and also, quite frankly, maybe even give me the underdog at, at plus plus twelve hundred for a TKO win. Because at twelve to one for him to win, like Tony Ferguson's a finisher. So, and Michael Chandler's been finished a lot. So, why wouldn't I sprinkle a little bit on that to have some fun on uh, UFC two seventy four night? Man, I'm See, and that, and and that's why it pays to follow at Wood on one zero six three on Twitter, Jordan Sherwood. That's where you can find him because you gave that out yesterday. Tony Ferguson at twelve to one to win by knockout or TKO convinced me that is not worth a look. And I looked today, and it's already down to plus eight fifty. So money coming in on Tony Ferguson by knockout or TKO. These odds haven't really shifted, but if you look at them, they are definitely going in the way of Tony. Fer- He's still a huge dog, but they're going in the way of Tony. Ferguson's favor. I mean, if you've got two guys that are power punchers, I agree with you. This could go either way. So if you like Tony Ferguson, I would definitely sprinkle some on the knockout by T or knockout by TKO. Because if you can get eight and a half to one, or you can find it more in other places, then why not? Absolutely sprinkle on that. Because if you get that, that makes your night. Everything else is gravy after that, right? It is, and it's it's so worth a look again because Tony Ferguson's a guy that's been really finished. Now, at some point, you know the wheels do fall off. At some point, mm-hmm. this sport does not allow you to continue to take punches to the face. Like you just eventually, you, the lights are going to go out, and perhaps this is going to be the recipe where we finally see the game plan that Tony Ferguson eats. Punches punches because he's just tougher and and carved out of nails that he's able to to win these fights it's probably not a smart strategy against a guy like Michael Chandler but we've seen Michael Chandler wilt under pressure we've seen him you know lose to guys that are extremely talented and despite the three losses in a row for Tony Ferguson he's still one of the best 155ers that we have on the planet Another rematch coming up for UFC 274 is Mauricio Rua against Ovin St. Prue OSP <laughs> 
OSP, a huge favorite here, minus two or minus two thirty. Zaypru won this first fight in 2014, so this is another long rematch in the making. This is Rua's first appearance since 2020. He's 40 years old. He's got the dad bod. Not that there's anything wrong with that. He's got the love handles. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But he's 40 years old. OSP's gone back and forth between light heavyweight and heavyweight. This is in the light heavyweight uh, division one. Is he going to struggle to make weight? And two, is this even going to be a fight if he does make weight? Yeah, I think. I mean, I think OSP will will certainly make weight. Both guys will make weight. I, I, OSP wanted to, you know, dabble in heavyweight because he needed some extra fights, and that wasn't a smart decision for him. Uh, dude's still athletic at 38 years of age. You know, you know, he's still, you know, uh, you know. I mean, again, college football player played at the University of Tennessee, so you know he's got that athleticism, he's got that large frame, and he's got the setup from a stand-up standpoint that could potentially cause some issues for Shogun in this fight. We don't know when Shogun's career is going to end. He, I thought it was going to end like three years ago, but he's still fighting. I think he said this week he wants two more fights, and this is one he certainly w- w- wants back. And it was a weird kind of knockout. His footing got a little bit of tangled, and OSP landed a counter, I think, overhand left, and knocked the, the lights out of Shogun Hua. This is a stay away fight for me. I can't trust either guy because, you know, if Shogun Hua is right, I think still at 40 years of age, he causes some issues for OSP. But OSP, with his athleticism, uh, certainly, again, causes issues for Shogun because Shogun's probably got about a round in him before he tires out, gasses out, and doesn't throw, you know, any output. Just do me a favor because I think I, you're still a little bit under the weather. Go and watch Shogun Hua versus Dan Henderson 1 and 2. Those fights are amazing. They're from definitely several years ago. But Shogun Hua <laughs> was, one of the best, was one of the best fighters of all time. He was ruling pride, became the USC light heavyweight champion, and actually he was the guy that lost to John Jones. Uh, and then John Jones obviously went on his historic run as the light heavyweight champion. So this fight is a stay away fight for me. Uh, I don't. I I don't trust either fighter. Just sit back and uh, relax and enjoy the fight. And and again, not even on the round total. I know that was going to be your follow up question. Well, what about on the round total or not? These yeah. guys also are very known for inactivity, especially Shogun late in his career. And OSP is just a you know a guy that's going to look for a counter strike. Uh, and I just don't trust either guy. So stay away from me. Uh, just sit back, have a cocktail, and enjoy this fight if you can. Yeah, this is the uh, this is the fight where you're just like, all right, let's see how long Rua can last. He's 40 years old. Let's see how long he gets tired for. And if OSP ends it quickly, then OSP wins it quickly, and it's over. Now, this last fight that we're going to talk about here, Donald Cowboy Cerrone against Joe Lozon. Like, okay, Donald Cowboy Cerrone, minus 175 favorite. He's a literal cowboy. He's out there. He's got the horses. He's riding on the range. He's riding the jet skis. Like, why are these why are these guys fighting? Cerrone's 0-6 in his last six fights. Joe Lozon has been coaching for two years. He hasn't fought. Like, what are these these guys that just get the phone call that say, Hey, do you do you guys are you busy on Saturday? Do you wanna come you you wanna come and fight? And it's like the it's like the uh they're getting like a like a group together for a heist and they just sit there and go, You son of a bitch, I'm in. And so they have to get up and they like there's no reason Sorry, this for is this Ocean's fight. Eleven. <laughs> this there's no reason for this fight to be taking place. Neither of these guys have, have fought in a while. One of them's a coach at this point. I don't understand why this fight is on here, let alone on the main card, but whatever, if it's there, we'll gamble on it, right? It, it, it is, it is. It, it, you're right. I don't know why this fight is happening. I mean, it's, it's certainly a fight 
for the fans because these are two guys that have been, you know, in the UFC forever. These are two of the most exciting fighters that we've ever seen. These guys both have racked up post-fight bonuses left and right. Um, and it's actually surprising that they their paths haven't crossed because they've been fighting in the same division for quite some time, although Cowboy Cerrone did jump up to, to 170. I'm very surprised that J- Joe Lozon is fighting again because in his last fight, which was two years ago, it was a first-round finish that he won where he was a significant underdog in his hometown of Boston. Like, why do you need to then come back out and do one more thing unless he's just rolling out the red carpet and wanting to fight Cowboy Cerrone so Cowboy Cerrone has his swan song. And a dude got emotional earlier this week, you know, talk about the fact that his son is going to be uh, in the stands, be able to watch him fight. I mean, he's been in the stands before, but he was an infant, so he don't remember anything. Um, here's the problem with Donald Cowboy Cerrone being the um, Dower 175 favorite. He's 0-5-1 in his last six fights. That one fight that was a draw should have been a loss for Cowboy Cerrone. So he's 0-6 in his last six fights. And the last one was extremely eye-opening because it was against Alex Morano, who was not a well-versed striker, who was really just good at good at everything, not great in any one particular category, and he completely swarmed Donald Cowboy Cerrone. Joe Lozon is the same type of fighter. Not really well-versed striking, very good submissions, but if he's been off for two years and he looks the same way that he did in that win against Jonathan Pierce, give me the underdog Joe Lozon. Give me him to win the fight and just end this, this, again, I hate this. Now I'm going back to a second pro wrestling reference, but you've heard the stories about the Undertaker continuing to come out WrestleMania after WrestleMania after WrestleMania yeah. after he should have retired like 20 years ago. Like that's, that's kind of what we're getting with Donald Cowboy Cerrone. And I love the dude. I mean, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, uh, for sure. One of the most entertaining fighters that we've ever seen to, to not win a championship, but he should not be fighting. So, uh, I think. Probably the smart play is Lozon in this fight as the underdog, but I will also go with the under because I, I, I think both guys are certainly finish a bowl, and, and, and I certainly would lay, lay, lay some coin on that to, for under two and a half to, for that to happen. Well, you know why they're fighting. You got to take one last job before you officially retire, right? Like that's the, and then they make Oceans 12 and then they make Oceans 13, and you still have to take one more job before you officially retire. So they'll fight again in like two more years. Lozano will be a coach still. He'll be like, ah, fine, whatever. I'm in. One final job, and then I'm not doing this again. Dana White, <laughs> one more fight, and then I'm out. But, yeah, I mean, if that's, if that's what uh, – I, I agree with you. I think that, you know, I go with the guy who's, who's a coach and not, you know, out riding horses and jet skis and that kind of thing to, uh, to win this fight. Anything in the prelims that, uh, that tickles your fancy before we get going here? Uh, Clayton Rodriguez is fighting CJ Viraga. Uh, Clayton Rodriguez is a guy that is on, on the contender series. It's a very big time prospect at flyweight. He's a huge favorite 280 to lay down on him, but inside the distance and the under, this is a guy with his fluid striking, his length, his, uh, his speed should be enough to overwhelm Ver- Vergara. So I like Rodriguez to win inside the distance and on, on the under in that fight, and then also a small play, the same kind of ilk with Brandon Royville over match Danger Schnell. Matt, uh, Brandon Royville is an extremely entertaining fighter. I think he gets the finish on match now, and I think the under obviously also in play for that fight. All right, so to recap, Oliveira uh, straight up in that main event. 
maybe a little sprinkle on uh, Carla Esparza as the dog in that title fight. Uh, Tony Ferguson worth a look, especially for knockout here for Tony Ferguson by knockout. That's at eight and a half to one, unless you can find it somewhere better, or you can go back in time and get it at 12 to one where it was yesterday. Stay away from the Mauricio Rua and OSP fight. And then Jolo's on the, are you, the are you, you going to eventually say his name correctly? It's Hua. Who? Hua. Hua. It's Shogun Hua. 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 Rua. Hua. Rua. It's not Rua. Rua. I mean, it's, it's Rua. Rua. It's Rua. <laughs> It's Hua. Rua. Hua. It's I mean, that's why I said Hua. It's like. Oh, I thought you were doing like a Hua. Like, you a, like El Pacino? Like a, it's Hua. Yeah. No, all the stuff I I, uh, I looked at was saying Rua. So I was going by Rua. But Hua, Rua. It's silent, Mauricio it's a sil- Shogun Hua. It's a, it's a silent R, right? It's, a it's, silent, it's an H. Got, we've got silent R's. It's an H. In Portugal, yeah. it's Portuguese. It's an H. R's an H. It is? Yes. R's are H's in Portugal? I learned something today. Yes. What are you going to, I mean, we got a, a language lesson here too in that. So if I ever go to <laughs> Portugal, if I ever go to Brazil, wherever they speak Portuguese, I'll know that R's are H's. So are that, so then are H's R's then? Um, Pedro, or H's R's. I'm trying to think of, uh, no, they're R's not. Are H's, no, are they're H's not. R's they're then? not. Well, they're not then. Well, follow Jordan Sherwood on Twitter at Wood on 1063 for language lessons and for fight picks. Get his picks at fatjacksports.com. There's tons of stuff going on at fatjacksports.com right now. You got the NBA and NHL in the playoffs. You got baseball picks coming up. And, and of course, the Derby. Don't forget about yeah, the Derby this weekend. The Derby's coming up on Saturday. Of course, he's got Derby picks for you as well. I'm Adam Abdallah. Follow me on Twitter at Adam Abdallah. We'll be back to preview a UFC fight night next week on the unnamed MMA podcast.